0: the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Greetings in Jesus' name. It's good to be here again. Since I missed last Sunday, we were out in Pennsylvania. And it's good to visit other people, but it's also good to be with people that I know. (laughs) I know each one one of us. Thank you, Andrew, for... Um, reading those verses. The Lord is good to us in taking on the iniquity of us all. It's precious. So this morning, um, I would like to just bring our thoughts to the Lord, to God, and um, Hopefully we have been lifted up in our spirits from singing. I hope you have grace with me. Um, I should have probably wrote down and organized all my notes a little bit better. I had more things to write down, but when we we're singing, I just <laughs> can't help but sing with you. So, it's, um, yeah, hopefully all, this all makes sense. <clears throat> Even though I guess, yeah. I didn't have too much time to write things down when when we were singing, but I guess I could have if I wouldn't have sang so much. So yeah, hopefully um, we can um, think about the things that are important and things that really matter in this life. Sometimes it's easy to get our focus on these earthly things and, you know, we see them every day and we deal with things every day and it's easy to get our focus off on the wrong things well not on the wrong things just on focus too much on things of this earth so I have um, a few things up here can you all see this Maybe you need a microscope and a big screen where you can see it. Here's a magnifying glass. It probably doesn't help you much. It doesn't help me too much. You can see a little bit more detail, a little bit more texture to the leaf. It's a very small leaf. But it's very interesting how... Leaves Work, How God Made the Plants. (laughs) I was looking up a little bit of um, how plants work and the process of photosynthesis, and (laughs) one place was saying, um, photosynthesis, how it works and the evolution of plants, or the evolution of photosynthesis. And I'm like, that would be that... I don't. I didn't. I didn't even go there. I didn't click on it because um, it seems very. Um, you would have to have lots of faith to believe that it. it just came with the Big Bang. So here's another leaf. It's a little bit more beautiful. It's not just plain green. It has a little bit of red in it. And this probably still doesn't help you much. I don't know. Yeah. really neat Um, so leaves and this is well yeah leaves of a plant leaves of a tree here's a really common leaf that fell off a tree went out and picked it up from our lawn today because there's lots of them out there actually didn't examine it too close this is brown dried up and shriveled sort of I guess we just put them here, so you can see them. It's dead. It's not that attractive anymore. So leaves are very interesting. Plants are very interesting. And the leaves on a tree or a plant, they, so they're so they basically like little solar panels. They receive sunlight and convert that to energy through a process called photosynthesis. you probably heard of that and looked into it and know more about it than I do. I just saw a little documentary about how it all works. Um, So in one little square millimeter of leaf, okay, it's not that big, it's like very small, um, there is about 500,000 chloroplasts. And those are tiny little pigments that um, are responsible for the change of solar energy into... um, into sugar, basically, and into energy to make the plants grow. So there are um, these chloroplasts. Um, There's two different kinds, sort of. There are green ones, green pigments, and there are uh, orange or yellow or red pigments. So there's two different styles. in this 500,000 chloroplasts in each um, square millimeter, so there's you know like maybe 250,000 of uh, red ones and 250,000 green ones. So the green ones receive the more powerful UV rays from the sun, like the ultraviolet, um, green and violet rays from the sun, and it changes it. So they they receive the light. When it when it's like in the summer, and they actually reflect light, and that's why you see green, like this. This is green. There's some bigger ones. This is like all green, fairly bright green. It's kind of <laughs> wilted right now. I guess the things of flower thereof fadeth away. <laughs> Word of our God stands forever. Um so those more those green pigments in each of those leaves uh, reflect the green the the stronger rays and the yellow ones they're called um they're called Actually I'm not sure what they're called anymore. I didn't write it down. Something that reminded me of um carrots. <laughs> um Yeah, I guess I shouldn't even try to say it because I'm not sure what it is. Um, but anyways, so the green ones reflect the green rays and the, the yellow ones reflect, well, they receive the um, lesser sun rays, lesser, like, the ones that aren't quite as strong from the sun, the rays that aren't quite as strong, they receive them. So when, um, when in the summer you see green leaves And you know, in in this fall, we all know that they change colors. You can probably explain this all better than I can, but, um, and there's a reason for that. That's because the pigments, the um, ones that receive the stronger sun rays, they fade out of, um, of, not of power, but they don't receive any more sunlight because they aren't, the sunlight isn't as strong. And then the red ones, since they receive, they absorb the lesser um, powerful sun rays, they um, become more evident that's why the leaves change colors if that makes any sense <laughs> um, because as the sun you know as as the sun goes further down, it's less powerful. We know in the winter you know when the sun comes out it's not warming up as much as it did, and so in the fall um, the more the the pigments that make the leaves appear green don't receive sunlight as much, and so the ones that are that receive lesser powerful sunlights show, and they reflect yellow or orange or red. So that's just a little magnification of one millimeter of a plant, of of a leaf. It's an amazing thing. You can look at these little leaves, and there is a huge amount of intricate details and interesting things you can learn. And there is... So then there's all kinds of stuff beyond um, just those pigments and how they change sunlight into energy and everything. But I didn't get all that (laughs) too in-depth for me. So I guess that if I would title my meditation this morning, I kind of was struggling with what to title it, it, but... um, I guess it could be the impossible vision. So, I'm not sure if that quite brings out what I want, (laughs) how I want it to um, come across, but the impossible vision. So where I get that is the Bible tells us that we should look at things that are not seen. (laughs) So how are you supposed to do that? You know, you see. I can see all of you, I can see the chair, I can see my hand, but how do you look at things you don't see? That's impossible, isn't it? <laughs> With our physical eyes, we can't look at things that we can't see, we can't see the air. Um, so it must be talking about something a little bit different, a little bit, yeah, it must be, um, it must be something different that he's talking about. here's a ladybug Just put him here for an object lesson too so the impossible vision in 2nd corinthians 4 you can turn there with me 2nd corinthians 4 i know at home um, when i was when i was at home we have devotions most mornings, and we would normally read a whole chapter. And for some reason, when <laughs> I still have, I'm still learning how to do this, how to um, get a whole context of a chapter. But a lot of times at home, we would like you know read the whole chapter, and at the end, I would forget what was at the beginning, and so dad would explain, you know, how this all flows together, and I was like, I never would have seen that before. <laughs> I didn't. I just couldn't remember the whole the things that were in the first part of the chapter. I think it's very important, very useful, as I do it more. Um, So let's look a little bit at the context of what we were just talking about, seeing the invisible, where we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. That's the last chapter 4. But let's look at at verse um, 5. Let's start in verse 5. For we preach not ourselves, but Jesus Christ, the Lord, and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give us to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So God has shined in our hearts, it's like a sun ray. Are we reflecting that as little pigments here? <laughs> Are we reflecting that sun ray in our hearts? <clears throat> Verse 7, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Sorry, I guess I'm just going to kind of um, <laughs> jerk down through here um, and bring out different points of these different verses. Treasure in earthen vessels, in pots of clay. That's what we are, actually. Uh, my uncle Wilford is in the hospital right now and is... Um, not doing very well. He is. Well, he had cancer, and then they took him to the emergency room yesterday morning um, because of, I think, his pain in his stomach, and they discovered that he had a um, had a hemorrhage or basically a hole in an intestine. So um, they did surgery and. They didn't think it was going to be very hopeful for him to survive through it all because his body was weak already. And they went through the surgery and actually it turned out a lot better than they thought it was, than it would. Uh, but then just this morning, um, I guess another doctor that they talked to was saying that it was, that he, his heart was uh, racing, I forget what they call that. But, and so they had to shock it to get it back into a normal rhythm. And so he's still kind of in that condition. Yeah, we don't know if he's going to make it. That's pots of clay. Our bodies are pots of clay. We can die at any time. But we have a treasure in us. What is that treasure? A very unique treasure. And that is the excellency of the power... That we exhibit or that we have is not of us, not in our own selves or in our own bodies, but of God. That is the treasure. And then here in verse eight and nine, that's how this, this treasure is um, exemplified or is shown. This is the the work of that treasure and the evidence of it. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We don't totally despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. And then always bearing about in the body, in our body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. So I think here it's just saying that we die to ourselves, to our flesh, and Jesus reigns, his spirit reigns in our mortal bodies. Life that the life of Jesus might be made manifest in our body, for we which live always are de- sorry, for we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh there's so many things other scriptures that we could uh, bring in here about um, was it Paul saying that which that is not quickened except it die first, like um, seeds, they die. They have to die in order to be raised in newness of, in life. And we also need to die in order to be um, renewed in, <clears throat> in our spirits. Uh, so then death worketh in us, but life in you. Paul again that treasure the excellency of the power of God because they faint not Though, but though our outward man perish yet the inward man is renewed day by day so the outward man perishes these pots of clay we perish but the inward man inside in our spirits we're renewed day by day it is if we look at the right place if we keep our eyes um on the Lord for our light affliction which is but for a moment worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory doesn't that almost make you want to um, have affliction here <laughs> if it's going to make a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory we should embrace hardships even though they're hard if we have the right to kind of vision and understanding. And if we see the right things we can have hope. That's the power that works in us, the treasure because we we see the eternal. Because we have hope of eternal life. This is not our home. While we look, verse 18, while we look not at the things which are seen but at the things which are not seen for the things which are seen are temporal but the things which are not seen are eternal so there's that's where the title comes from the impossible vision we try to look at things that we can't see (laughs) i think it's talking about our mind's eye or our faith what we believe um not sure if that makes sense, but yes, obviously not talking about our physical eyes because we can't see what we can't see. (laughs) For some reason, these things sometimes distract us, you know, we see things with our eyes and it's so easy to become earthly minded because that's what we grew up with all our lives. You know, we see each other, we see um, grass growing and we see trees and we see... Ball games being played and all these things, but those are just temporal. We need to always keep that in mind somehow. <laughs> these things are temporal, but those things that are eternal are the actual things that will last. So that's to do with perspective. We need to have the right perspective. I like the. Um, example that some people give when they talk about eternity and they draw it out on the board. So, it's like this. And this is the beginning, like creation. (laughs) And that's an infinite line. And Let's give us a bonus and say that we're, like, right here. Did you see that, dot? So creation is here, and we're right there, you know, a whole 4,000 years later or something. And the rest of that is eternity. And it just goes on and on and on forever. So wouldn't that seem like we should prepare... God has placed us here so that we can prepare for eternity. Just our tiny little blip of life, right there, is our short lifetime—70 70 years, 75, 80 years, maybe—that we're here to prepare for the rest of our life. So we should uh, make sure that we're ready and make sure that we lay up treasure in heaven for the rest of life because this is all temporal, this is all going to pass away, even though we've never seen this pass away, because we're all here yet. We have seen things pass away, the Bible says, you know, the grass withers, and the flower thereof fadeth away, but the word of our God stands forever. And uh, there was, in Matthew, you could also... Oh yeah, we're memorizing about um, the grass which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven. God takes care of the grass which is very short time. And he will, will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? I think that's what it says. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. To be spiritual. To be spiritually minded, mindful of our life after this life. Is life and peace, true life and true peace, but to be carnally minded is death I think is um, I'm not sure where that is anymore, but so to be eternally minded, you know sometimes when we hear that term, we think of um these great spiritual people that um you' always talking about spiritual things and spiritually minded and we're like, okay, that's good. I don't know if I want to be like that because what if people won't like me? What if, you know, I'm not very fun to be around because I'm too spiritually minded. Um, You've heard the saying, probably, that um, some people say they're so heavenly minded that they're of no earthly good. Is that a saying? (laughs) That's not true, <laughs> say it um, bluntly, because the more heavenly-minded we are, the more earthly good we are, actually. Because, so just for an example, I guess, if I can bring it out. So, say you are together with a few families, and you know you're having a good time, um, People are talking, visiting, whatever. And a man that is heavenly-minded, he will be thinking about eternity, thinking about the things that will last, and therefore he won't be self-centered. He will be um, putting your needs before his own, so in practical ways, that's like, well, how do you think about the situation? Or are you thirsty? Are you hungry? Let me go get you a drink or get you some food. Isn't, aren't those people enjoyable to be around when they're, when they're not selfish? We all know that selfishness is bad. We teach that in, <laughs> in children's lessons. You know, don't be selfish. Be sharing. Be kind. But that's what eternally mindedness is, is just being kind, being unselfish. and we all like people like they're that they're a, a lot, of a lot of earthly good if we are heavenly minded <laughs> it's not just for the highly spiritual it is, for some, it is simply what all Christians do we are Christian and we, therefore that's saying that we are heavenly minded that's the same thing So, while those leaves are amazing, and there's a lot of detail that goes into them, if I would have, say I came home, I was at work, or actually, no, let's say I was in town, and I was shopping, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to do something. So, I get it, and I take it home to my wife, and... I'm like, here. I have something for you. Or maybe it's a rose petal. Maybe that'd be a little bit more nice. Or pretty. What would she think? <laughs> that'd be kind of sad probably, or disappointing. I mean, she could put it under a magnifying glass or maybe I could even buy a microscope and have her look into it very in detail and it would probably be pretty amazing like what you'd actually find and, you know, what you would learn from a little rose petal or a little leaf. But somehow we just don't think that, that would quite be right. If I go to town, I would normally, um, if I want to get her something that she would like, I would normally get her a big bouquet of flowers. Something kind of like this. So if I walk into the room like this from town, I think she'd be much more happy with that than with a little leaf. But yet, this wouldn't be possible if each of those little leaves weren't um, receiving sunlight, if they weren't doing what they're supposed to. It makes it beautiful. So, I guess I would like like to um, compare our lives to each of those little tiny pigments. God has placed us here in the world as a little pigment in one of those leaves, and we're here to reflect His glory. So there's lots of illustrations we could draw from this, but um, when all of us are together, we can make a beautiful picture of something like a vase of flowers. We all kind of die and wither like this. These are starting to. Um, But even more, the whole picture of, this could also be a picture of eternity and how that Maybe the whole world is like this flower and all the churches of all the ages, like, you know, from creation all the way till now, all the people that serve God would look like a flower to us, you know, because we can kind of see a big picture because we can look back at history and see all those things, how things fit together and it's pretty neat, pretty beautiful and we can get encouragement from it. I think God intended it. Intended that for us, but when we go to get to eternity, we can even see the bigger picture. It's like we're zooming. It's like we can put a magnifying glass up here, then we'll zoom out. I don't know how it looks from your end. Okay, that just gets blurry, but it will get more clear in eternity. Um, we can see the big picture and see. We, we can see it's much more beautiful when when we have the whole picture, when we see the see the big picture. And here's where I kind of I should have thought through it more what, how I was going to say everything. Uh, but hopefully you get the picture that eternity is like a, a vase of flowers that we can't see everything now. But when we are eternally minded, we are a lot of earthly good and we lay up treasures in heaven as we are heavenly minded and it makes a beautiful picture for the Lord and for us when we get there. There's very interesting um, ideas in a book that I was listening to called Money, Possessions, and Eternity by Randy Alcorn. Thanks to Michael for suggesting that to me. Um, and he was saying talking about rewards and How that when we invest in, you all heard the term investing in eternity or the eternal things, investing our, normally we think of investing our money in eternal things. There's also other things we can invest in eternity and lay up treasure for time to come, and that is we can invest words in eternity. We can say kind things. Um... We can invest our time in eternity. Are we? How how are we investing time in eternity right now? What are we doing that is for eternity? And we can invest money in eternity. Jesus talks about that actually um, quite extensively in the New Testament um, about laying up treasures in heaven and how that. We are only in this little dot right there. So why, what, what wisdom would tell us, since we know of eternity, why would wisdom tell us to lay up treasures here? Because it's all going to pass away. It's not going to be of any value unless we lay it up for eternity, and that is by giving of ourselves, which is time and money and possessions and kind words and thoughtfulness. And there's plenty other things we could put in there, but... So just remember, we want to make a beautiful picture for the Lord and have an eternal perspective of what our lives will, what we are doing with our lives here. We want to lay up treasures in heaven. So God bless you with that.